Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! I rocked my hips back and forth, feeling his length slide in and out of me, heading all those places that hadn't been touched in far too long. It was slow at first, until it couldn't be any longer. I bounced up and down on him, the slap of my ass against his muscled thighs, our grunts and moans mixed together for a sensual symphony that echoed around his apartment. With no kids to worry about, I let myself be loud, to express myself at full volume and not hold back. That's what tonight was for, not holding back. (gasps) Neil. Yes. Don't hold back. Should I keep going? No, do hold back. We have a oh. whole podcast to do. So you so you lied to me. I lied. Uh, I'm a liar. Yeah. All right. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We sure do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. If you don't like spoilers, just pause this. Go by the book. Read it. And then unpause us, and we will say so many thoughts at you. Just at you. Just like just like rapid fire. Thought, 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 thought. We are thoughts. We are a bunch of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and they're coming at you. Thought, 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 thought. Thought, 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 thought. Everybody. <laughs> Anyway, ooh, we got the sillies today. No. Okay. So I picked some books. You did pick some books. What did you pick? I picked Egomaniac by Vi Keeland and Pies and Promises, an MM Single Dad Romance Heartcraft Market Book One by Ducky Mac. Let's just give a shout out to author names just real quick. Ducky Mac. Ducky Mac. So good. I don't even... I mean, Vi Keeland is also kind of fun. Vi like, Keeland is fun. I mean, it's not as good as Ducky Mac. <laughs> Vi Keeland, to me, sounds like it's like three quarters of the way to a drag name. It does. It, it does. It also sounds like uh, like an exchange student who maybe came from a very cool place and they wear lots of black turtlenecks. Yeah. Very Scandinavian. Yeah. Because I feel like if you... if Yeah, because if you, if you change the emphasis, it's... Vikingland, like wow. Vikingland. Hmm. This has been putting emphasis in weird places with Claire and Neil. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So we're and gonna Neil, talk. A- yes. What was the theme? Single dads. Single dads. And in dads true doing it. FMK lit fashion, one of these does adhere to the theme, and one of them does not. Yes. <laughs> Despite the fact that the one that does not was on... Okay, so there's a person, I forget their name, and I'm not going to say it because I'm about to put them on blast, where they review romance novels, and then they have, like, lists of, like, by topic, like, by theme. And I was like, ooh, I need to find a single dad one. And I was like, these are my favorite single dad romances. And, of course, most of them were too long for our purposes. And then this one was on there. I'm like, oh, it's almost the exact same number of pages as the other one. Great, great, great. And then it was not true. 
It was not true. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, before we get into it, Claire, what has what has got you hot and bothered? Oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Go for it. Um, I've just been enjoying it very much over the last couple of days. This week has not been a good like work week for mm. me personally. But what has been great while I'm doing the drudgery of the job parts is having RuPaul's Drag Race on in the background. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just the joy, just the joy of watching professionals yell at each other backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Which season are you watching? Oh, I mean, because it's on Hulu, so it's like a, a like, so there's season, it starts at season two, I think. Yeah. They don't have season one, and then um, so we yeah. watch season one, season two, and we're on season three, but I've also been going through the All-Stars, and they only have, I think, four seasons of that? Yeah, the, everything's on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, I don't. They just have season three. Is that Fifi O'Hara and Sharon Needles? Yes. Okay. Great, great, great. Uh, season four is great. All right. Just you have that to look forward to. Okay, looking forward to it. Um, I also Matt. Like, okay, so I'm on social media. I'm on the social medias. Mm -hmm. Now, do I participate in the social medias? Our listeners know that I do not because um, <laughs> I'm supposed to be posting for us and I just do not. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I also I was supposed to post for myself and I just, I do not. Um, and, but I do watch all the things and there are uh, many clips uh, of RuPaul's Drag Race all about. And that is how I've seen a lot of it. I've mm -hmm. seen a whole season previously. Like I have watched it before, but... Uh -huh. No, I've seen most of it through illegal means on YouTube or in bits mm -hmm. and pieces in GIFs or whatever. So I'm familiar with almost all parts of it. Um, Matt Gunnison, my beautiful husband, has not. <laughs> and the sheer joy that came out of his mouth when RuPaul said, now you must lip sync for your life just like the giggles <laughs> he didn't know it was happening and he was just like what <laughs> like every single pun that comes out of rupaul's mouth it's just like oh my god like his joy like matt just like is in giggle territory and when they lip sync for the every time he says it every time he says it matt's just like they lip sync for your life <laughs> and it just makes me so happy i love it i love it i'm excited for him to see an all-star season where it's the all-stars rules where they lip sync for their legacy Yes, yes. He he did enjoy that because he liked the switch up, mm -hmm. but he missed the phrasing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's like, fair. Oh, that's fair. No, I get it. Um, have, are you familiar with James Mansfield? Yes. Great. She because she was on the I think the mo as of this recording the most recent All Star season, and I I love her and I saw her when I was in Seattle and I was so like I went to Seattle I was like oh let's look at let's look at what drag is going on james fucking mansfield and she was dressed like marilyn doing a taylor swift medley and it was like a gay turducken Ugh. and she she was so good she was so good anyway 
great. Yes. Yeah. Well, and what's got you hot and bothered? Uh, something very similar, actually. Uh, Lauren Boebert. Lauren Boebert. Oh, Lauren. I am going to read an article. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. From The Guardian. Uh-huh. Uh, by Betsy Reed, I think. No, I lied. That's just a thing at the end. Oh, this one doesn't. Uh, this one doesn't have a name on it. So, okay. The headline is: Lauren Boebert says she quote fell short of values after Beetlejuice groping video. Congresswoman issues apology after being kicked out of performance of musical in Denver for inappropriate behavior. Lauren Boebert, the U.S. Congresswoman, has issued an apology after being kicked out of a performance of the musical Beetlejuice in Denver for inappropriate behavior, an experience she has called difficult and humbling. Boebert, a Republican representative for Colorado, and a male guest accompanying her were ejected from the musical on 10 September for vaping, recording video, and disturbing other patrons during the Sunday performance. Video also showed them eagerly groping each other while in their seats. (laughs) Bobert and her campaign manager initially denied that she was vaping and said she was removed for being too loud. But surveillance video obtained by the Denver television station 9 News shows the congresswoman openly vaping during the performance. Two sources also confirmed to 9 News that Bobert was vaping, a prohibited action that ushers attempted to address with her several times. A pregnant woman reportedly confronted Bobert and asked the congresswoman to stop vaping, the New York Post reported, but Bobert refused. These people in front of us were outrageous, the unnamed woman said to the Post. I've never seen anyone act like that before. The CCTV video also shows Bobert's guest fondling her breasts after they had taken their seats. Bobert is also seen petting her guest's crotch in the venue. Bobert Bobert and her date were later removed by security in the second act of the musical for the disruptive behavior uh, as their disruptive behavior continued. The CCTV footage shows a blurred out gesture that Bobert flashed at theater security as she was escorted out. Business Insider reported that the gesture appeared to be a middle finger. According to a report of the confrontation from theater security, Bobert and her guest became argumentative with officials. Do you know who I am? The congresswoman allegedly asked, according to the theater security report. Bobert apologized for her behavior in a Friday evening statement. The past few days have been difficult and humbling, and I'm truly sorry for the unwanted attention my Sunday evening in Denver has brought to the community, Bobert, as reported by the Colorado Sun. Bobert added that her public and difficult divorce has created a challenging personal time for me and my entire family. I've tried to handle it with strength and grace as best I can, but I simply (laughs) fell short of my values on Sunday, Bobert said. Bobert filed for divorce from her husband, Jason, with a Y, in May. The couple had been married for nearly 20 years. Bobert's disturbance at the musical was first confirmed on Tuesday, though the congresswoman initially attempted to suggest she had been removed from the theater for enjoying the performance too much. On X, formerly known as Twitter, Bobert wrote that she pleaded guilty to laughing and singing too loud. The Colorado congresswoman is in her second term after narrowly being reelected in 2022. So, she just thought, I know, I'm in a public space. I'll treat this like it's my living room and fondle some guy's crotch. And then say no to a pregnant woman when she asks me to not vape in front of her, despite being 
very pro-life, I'm sure. <laughs> if I had to guess what happened, uh, Lauren was in Colorado for whatever, and she went on an app. And she mm -hmm. found a friend to have a good evening with. And he was like, I've got these two tickets to Beetlejuice. Would you like to go? And she's like, that sounds fabulous. Can we get drunk first? And he's like, yes. I'm also going to bring some vape pens that are full of marijuana because we're in Colorado. And she's like, sounds good. <laughs> so they got wasted, went to the theater, were smoking, and were drunk and high. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And she's got big old titties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was, he's super into that. And she was drunk and high and at Beetlejuice. It was like, fuck it. I don't know what's going on with my life. I'm a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, Claire. You say she was in Colorado for whatever reason. That's where she's a representative. I thought she, is she? I thought yes. She she's she's not from Colorado, but that's where she's a representative. Oh my God. She was in, I don't know oh, if, yeah, I don't know if she's a representative district. for Denver, but she was, she was around her constituents ostensibly oh my God. and said, no, fuck you pregnant lady. Let me vape Florida. in your face. I know. Um, and then a fun addendum, because I found out about this because uh, there's a group for Bay Area front of house theater workers and they are pooling money to send flowers to those to that theater to be like <laughs> good job. Yes. So that's what's got me hot and bothered. Oh Just like God. Yeah, the rules don't apply to you. Of course they don't. Yeah. Of course they don't. Yeah, Grandma Lauren Bobert was being felt up in the middle of a musical. Yeah, do, do whatever the fuck you want, lady. It's fine. <laughs> oh god. Man. Anyway, should we talk about some books? Let's talk about some books. <laughs> Pies and Promises, an MM single dad romance, Heartcraft Market Book One by Ducky Mac. Justin loves his life as a stay at home dad, but being a divorced single father wasn't part of the plan. Besides his kids, pies are his passion. He makes and sells his creations at the heart craft market, but it's not enough to live off of. After his father's recent health scare, Nico is determined to help revive their family diner. When he meets Jason, whose pies are as sweet as he is, an idea begins to form. Jason's kids are everything to him, but his bed feels empty at night. Nico has always wanted a family, but he has yet to find a man that he could build a life with. Can a few pies lead to the promise of a future together? Pies and Promises features two men whose love for family and food brings them together. And there's plenty of heart and heart baked in. The Heartcraft Market series features standalone novels that can be enjoyed on their own or read with a series to revisit your favorite characters. Neil? Yes. Is that what that book was about? Yeah, pretty much. I do want to point out the cover of this is hilarious because it's cute. The man on the cover is adorable. He's a very good looking, adorable man. And uh, the, the sign is cute. Like it's very homey and it's still like New York. So like there's lots going on. But so he's kind of opening his jean shirt 
jacket thing like i'm free and breezy in the park like he's opening it up but it also looks like the pies and promises title sign is underneath that so he's like flashing us the sign of the like ah, i'm in new york and bam also it does not take place in new york at all no it does not it's in southern california yeah it is in the inland empire which is where i grew up oh. i know i saw that i screamed uh and then i was like trying to figure out where it was supposed to be but the inland empire is made out of the three largest counties in california so i'm like right. oh there's there's no point there is absolutely well, no point it really does look like new york from the cover it does it does or like maybe it's supposed to be la i don't know but la is also not in the inland empire no and la does not have a park like that no 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 okay so we have jason uh-huh. who has two kids and i realized i was like what they aren't twins i think this is the <laughs> I think this is the first romance novel we've read where somebody has had kids that were not twins. Um, so. so he has Parker, who's six, and Emily, who's three, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he was a stay-at-home mom, or stay-at-home dad, and his wife is, like, a very ambitious lawyer. Um, and then they realized that things were not working out, uh, so they got a divorce, And so now he's like, oh, I have to, like, get a job Uh, because, and I found this very bizarre. He's like, I can't afford to pay for the house, but my ex-wife gives me very, like, a very generous child support, but I don't want to spend it on the house. I should spend it on the kids. I'm like, well, the kids need a house. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And then he, and then there's a point earlier, like kind of early in the book. He's like, well, I buy them whatever they want because I can't say no. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you have child support and, you know, this was like a home and like a new track development. So it's like the house is too big for them to begin with. And he's like, well, I don't want us to move because they've already gone through the divorce. And like, that's a lot of change for a kid. And I'm like, okay, that I understand. But also it's like, Maybe we don't need to get Emily, like, six more princess dresses so that we can pay the mortgage. I don't know. I'm I'm not here to tell someone how to how to spend their money. I am. Okay, I mean... great. <laughs> I don't have any, so I have absolutely no insight into this problem. But I'm just like, it's like, no, I don't want to spend the money on the house because it's for the kids. The kids need the house. They need a place to live. Yeah, I don't know. No. I mean, some divorce settlements very specifically say, like, this allotment of money cannot be spent towards home, but but towards your home because we have shared custody. Mm -hmm. And, like, um, if you cannot afford, uh, if you cannot afford to keep a home uh, that is safe for the children, then the primary custody goes to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and that child support is specifically for any of those other things. But, I mean, the way their arrangement is set up, and they seem to both like each other still very much, I am positive that that amicable divorce settlement that they made includes uh, includes housing. Yeah. <laughs> I am positive that whatever she wrote in there, she also was like, well, let's take a look at how much the mortgage is a month. Okay, it's that much. That also goes in there. Yeah. 
unless he's like and unless he's putting aside all of that money for um for their college like i don't see how he could possibly be spending uh (laughs) be spending all of that unless she did make like a really egregiously bad divorce settlement because he's a doof but he's an accountant yeah he should like he should know all of these things right and we 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 spend some time with the ex-wife julie she's not mean she's not malicious not at all it it very much was like all you wanted was a family like we were in love so that's what we did all like she's she's focused on her career and like she's like oh i i have a husband who wants to stay home with the kids and so i can focus on my career that's great and then they both realized it wasn't working and then like you said it was a very amicable amicable divorce so i don't see what whatever yeah anyway so then so that's um uh, unbelievable premise part one. <laughs> unbelievable premise part two. Nico, his father owns a diner, and his father just suffered a heart attack—a minor heart attack, but a heart attack none, none, nonetheless. So they're like, "Okay, well, you need to rest." You know, like he's the he's the like the boomer dad who's like, "I've never taken a sick day," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's like, "No, you need to rest. You need to rest." Nico's taking over the the diner and then we discover that pops's diner is the only fucking diner in america that does not serve pie yeah i was like no this is not true at the same time jason is like making pie and selling it regularly at a farmer's market so like i obviously see where this is going and i think it's fucking adorable yeah but do not try to and it wasn't until like 70 percent in it's like oh yeah my mom's terrible at cooking and she burned something so that's why we don't have pie i'm like no 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 do you think any diner in america makes their own goddamn pie no they do not what are you talking about not only that like so when when jason and his daughter sat down in in the cafe or in the diner to to have something and he's just like i think we're just gonna have dessert this is the scene I was expecting. I was expecting them to order the pie because they order the pie wherever they go because mm-hmm. he loves pies. Yeah. They order the pie. He's a gracious person. And he's like, this smashed up bit of frozen pie that you heated up real quick is not going to cut it for me. And I'm just like in his mind, but he's like, I'm just not going to eat this. Yeah, and his yeah, daughter yeah, yeah. is like, what the fuck is this? Like she's, three and she knows better she's like this isn't pie get this hell out of my face and so when the waitress comes back she like very you know precociously says that my daddy's pie is better than this boom 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 and then like pop hasn't changed anything in the diner for years because he has these like very intense relationships with his vendors and by intense i mean he's just very loyal to them so i had assumed and i assumed all of this before we got to the part I'd assumed he had some very important relationship with a vendor that had been selling him his god-awful pies for years, and he knew they were bad, but he didn't want to lose that relationship. And so the son was going to come in, and one of the one of the problems was going to be, he's like, well, here's my boyfriend, and he makes pies, and I think we should have his pies. And his dad was going to be, I don't mind that you're gay, but you're not bringing in those pies. <laughs> I draw the line at pies. And I thought that's what was going to happen. It was so 
weird <laughs> that they just didn't have pie. And I was like, that's not how it works. No. Also, Claire, you you were a dumb, dumb idiot and assumed that this book would have conflict. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, that is correct. I assumed that there would be conflict. The first, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 percent. I'm like, oh, this is so cute. This is so wholesome. Oh, there's not going to be any conflict, is there? And there was not. not. And and the book, the book was constantly giving us hints at conflict to come. Juicy, juicy conflict. Just, just morsels of conflict that never came. Like, to the point, okay, so like... I'm going to list off some things that could have been conflict. And the book was like, ooh, this is going to be a problem. And then became very much not a problem in the next paragraph. It was like a roller coaster. But let me explain how. Imagine <laughs> it, it was broken down and not moving. Imagine you're on a roller coaster and like you're looking at forward into like it. And you're like, oh, my God, there's so many ups and downs and curves and who knows it's going to be amazing and you go and realize that's the roller coaster next door <laughs> you are on fact just on an old-timey railroad <laughs> it just goes around and comes back <laughs> so um there's a point where uh Oh, there's a point where there's like a little bit like um, Julie had to work late unexpectedly. So Jason's mom watched the kids and Jason's mom makes a comment about like, oh, well, she's done this before. So that's going to be a problem. Like, um, uh, oh, God, what was the book that we read where um, I very well could have been our last episode? Who fucking knows anymore? Where <laughs> where. um she has the kids and he takes them to his dad's judge thing because... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, the ex-husband. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's going to be stuff like that where plans will fall through because of right. Julie. No, that doesn't happen at all. No. And then it's like, oh, Julie caught us kissing and this is the first time either of us is dating since the divorce. This might be sticky. And Julie's like, well, obviously I care about our children and I want you to be... to like have good judgment and jason's like yeah i will and that was the end of that that was the end of that um uh, one of the p points of like almost like that i thought was going to be because it was at like 60 it was like at 50 percent. so i really thought this was where the conflict is going to start is um <laughs> uh nico says something to one of the kids like the kid is like will you come over and have a <gasps> and Nico's like, yeah, sure, I'll totally do that. I promise. After, and Jason is sorry, really fast. After that was right after to that scene where Parker was like, oh, Nico, could can you um, can you come over again or whatever, whatever, and and Nico's like, oh yeah, I promise. And then Jason's like, don't fucking do that. It's like yes. what? It's like don't make promises you can't keep. It's like. A, that was a very innocuous promise. And then immediately after, Nico's on the phone with Parker. And Parker's like, hey, come over. And Nico's like, okay, yeah, sure. And he didn't tell Parker. And Nico didn't think to check in with Parker until he shows up. And Parker's like, or uh, Jason. And Jason's like, what are you doing here? And Nico's like, oh, Parker invited me over and I said yes. And I guess you didn't know. And I was like, okay, this is exactly the thing we talked about. And Jason's this like. Is, this is a, and this is like, this is a huge, like 
this is a fuck up moment in the relationship. Yes. This is like you talk to my children without me being there, and you've only known them a couple of months mm -hmm. at, at at most. You um, agreed to plans without checking in with me about it. Mm -hmm. All this and, stuff and days ago. This was days ago too. Yes. Like we have talked to each other every single day, and you didn't even bring this up. Like this is a huge fight that, in fact is just a funny old thing that happens yeah nico shows up and i'm like oh it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and jason's like well isn't this a pleasant pleasant surprise and i'm like uh, why, why? Here. come on in right or like when when nico meets uh jason's mom it's like oh she's super protective of her son because of the divorce and and the the grandkids and she doesn't want to see them go through that all over again and then we just skip over all the scenes with the with with her of like nico interacting with her that's all fine everything's yeah. fine there um yeah there's everything oh god there's every moment where there could like even so one of the moments of possible contention that somebody could say well this is a conflict is nico wants to uh revitalize the the diner because it's old like everything in it is old and uh he wants so he wants to do a redecoration and a revitalization and his dad is like no it's the way i made it and i like it this way and then he's like okay i get it and then very much like an adult he's just like i'll wait until like i have a better plan for how i'm gonna do it so i can talk to dad about it he does and then his dad for a second is grumpy he's like but i don't want to change it because then it's like you don't need me and he's like no it's just you know we just need to update it so it's safe and his dad's like okay like that's not conflict that doesn't yeah. count as conflict I know. just because over chapters we had to like wait for the result resolution yeah. of it e even there there are times towards the beginning in jason's head where he's like oh my god i feel like we're rushing things like he's already met the kids but like i need to be really careful because like I, I can't let the kids get attached because this is so new. I don't know if this is going to work out, which is all very much valid and like really good built-in conflict, internal conflict in a story like this. But he never he never behaves like that's true for him. Like he never behaves like he's actually concerned about that. He just never. like talks. About, and here's the thing that's the thing about this book too, is like there are so many things where it's like. It's a, it's a lot of telling and not showing where it's like, oh, this is how I think about this. And then they don't behave like that's true or like, oh, well, I'm, and it, it, again, it's, it's like, it's, it's another one of those books where it's like, oh, we just, we, we have to hear 37 times like, oh, Nico's happy that he can help jason because he wants pie for the diner but then also he can help jason's family and we just say that over and over and over and over and over again because it doesn't build it doesn't go anywhere so and like they don't change as people really no not i mean at jason all. does a little bit um i mean jason gets fucked so that changes him as a person it makes him happier it makes him happier uh, just, I mean, but the thing oh, is, like, God. they meet six months after the divorce with his wife is finalized. Yes. Uh, that is quick. And, like, and they're they're uh, getting married home right away. I know. And they're getting married a year after they met. Yep. In the epilogue, of course. Also, so like Jason and Nico interacting with each other was just like room temperature oatmeal 
it was just like, I'm concerned about this. Yeah, I totally understand that. Here's what I have to say about that. Oh, great. I'm completely reassured. Okay, let's overstate our feelings in a way that's not interesting. Meanwhile, the the moms, the dad, Beverly, the, the saucy waitress, even Julie, when they're interacting with all of them, I'm like, where are these characters? No, I know. And I thought that, like, I mean, so when we first meet Nico... One of the things that I liked about him was that when it's with his is when he's with his father in the hospital and he is consumed with worry about mm-hmm. his dad, who he obviously loves very much, but also like his interactions f- with the people at the diner, he seems like a working class dude. Like, mm-hmm. um, I also like that he was you know bald and like stocky guy he sounded very handsome he's got yeah, tattoos. he sounded real hot <laughs> uh he sounds like he's lived a cool life that we yeah. know nothing about mm-hmm. like we don't get to learn about this cool life he had where he decided what tattoos he was gonna get or when or how or like none of that we, like we don't and and he sounded like an interesting fella who would have like major like socioeconomic differences with jason mm-hmm. like so jason who's you know college graduate but also seemed to have come from like maybe a kind of upper middle class family yeah and he, yeah and then and then the ex-wife makes really good money really good money so they had money for for the time that the, i mean since she started because they met in college yeah um so since she started working they like have really good money yeah so, I mean, I thought that was going to be really interesting. And, like, it also sounded like Jason, or it sounded like um, Nico was going to be a little bit more emotionally withdrawn. Like, he feels a lot, but he doesn't say his feelings. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't. Like, when he, with his dad and with the other people in the diner, like, he's just like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I'm just going to fix it. Everything's going to be fine. I'm Mr. Fix It. I'm just going to make everything okay. Dad, you have to stay in bed. I'm going to take care of the diner. Do not worry about that. It seems like, and and like maybe this was a guy where this wasn't his dream to, to be in the diner. So there's going to be a little bit of a personal struggle there. I was really looking forward to that kind of collision between these two people of like uh, Jason, not really understanding, like worried about getting involved in with a person who's so invested in work again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, and I was like, that's going to be really interesting. That doesn't come up. Like, nope. after like after they start dating, it doesn't seem like Nico has to go back to the restaurant at all. That's <laughs> 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 no, fine. That's, that, that, yeah. that was like, he can leave that whenever he wants to. Um, Jason is able to support his needs and a, and a little bit of the mortgage anyway. Because it doesn't say he's behind on the mortgage. He's made all the payments. He just doesn't know if in the future he's going to be able to keep making them. Yeah. He's, he's been able to make mortgage payments uh, by selling pies every other weekend. Yeah. It's twice a month. <laughs> twice a month he's selling pies. And not, I mean, it was just like, fuck this guy. I don't I know. know. Right? <laughs> there's this part too. Because, okay, so there's a part where, like, as part of their sexy times, Jason wears a Superman t shirt. 
and it like there was cute whatever whatever um and then there's this moment where they're talking about it and it's like oh my god yeah like i feel like i'm everyone expects me to be this super dad and like i have to take care of everything i have to raise the kids i have to pay for this i have to just do absolutely everything and it feels overwhelming and it's hard and blah 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 and i'm like that would have been great to see yeah pepper throughout the book nobody ever treats him that way it it is it doesn't feel real to me that anybody expects anything of him other than to like take care of the kids yeah you know ugh, it was, i mean ugh. and i mean we keep talking about all the conflicts that we wish that had been in here instead of what was in there look this was uh this was a very sweet book about two men who meet each other fall in love and then get together i just told you everything that happens in the book yeah like, literally like it's fine you don't even need to know anything else so i will <laughs> one of the other conflicts that i thought would come up is that parker the the little boy is having a problem with lying oh yeah and like but just a, for like three pages <laughs> yeah i mean and it, it it seems to be it's just to nico but i thought this would also come up so he tells his dad um that they're working on a routine in his like uh, karate class mm -hmm. and that parents can't come see it um this this isn't a truth <laughs> like that's not like and it's like for weeks of this class like he doesn't see his kid in this karate class there's no karate class that were, operates like that like and i thought like it was just gonna it's like but it was just a device to get the dad out but like it would have been so much more interesting if that was a lie mm -hmm. that which and i thought it was building to that because it really did feel that way. Like, well, see, Claire, it was building to that. The author just didn't know that, so they just ignored it. Because the, Jason also says something really interesting. He's like, um, uh, at the very first day, they got to like karate chop boards that were sort of pre-cut already, but to make it feel like that they had cut through the boards themselves with their hands to encourage them to keep coming to class and to feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And And so then I thought, Oh, that is cute. But then after that, that class is going to be so much harder. And mm -hmm. because you're going to fail more. And so then what a lovely, beautiful problem that like Jason is having a problem because he feels like he has to be Superman, that he has to be everywhere all at once for his children. He has to always be doing the best. He has to always be so strong. And his son is trying to be like his dad and wants to always be so strong. And so then when he finds out he's not, like, and he can't, he doesn't want his dad to see him fail. So he tells his dad not to come to class anymore. And then Nico finds out about that and has a heart to heart with Parker about expectations. Wouldn't that have been cool? That would have been so sweet. <laughs> oh. <sighs> anyway. Okay. That doesn't happen. So, no, no. So things that I did like about this book. Okay. Uh, Beverly. <laughs> the, 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 the saucy waitress who like had been there from like day one. Like as the day that pops open the diner, she walked in and she's like, I work here now. I'm your waitress. And she's been there ever <laughs> since. I fucking love her. She like Raz Nico. She obviously like the first time we see her, she's like, is pop actually okay 
are you like you can tell me i know you have to put on a brave face for the for the employees because because they're all like really close like all the employees and pop and just like is he actually okay yes okay thank god how are you doing blah blah, blah. Oh, she was so and then she's like and then she was the one who's like, oh, maybe you should go try some pie at that farmer market. The scene, the scene where, um, she, like, em they're first in the diner and Emily says to Beverly, my dad makes the goodest pies. And then, uh, Jason's like, well, it's best. And she's like, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. And then, um... Emily says it in front of Nico as well. And then later Beverly's like, Maybe you should maybe you should go to that farmer's market. I hear so and so makes the best pies. And Nico's like, Well, if Beverly's heard about it, maybe it's true. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. I um, know she's so funny about it. She's like, I mean, that's the word on the street. <laughs> yeah, she's like, word on the street is like in a in a way that is like, because we know what's going on is obviously like a cute little joke, but then Nico takes it like, oh well. Beverly's heard about it, then maybe yeah. we should go check it out. I was like, I love that moment. I enjoy, uh, like, I don't want to eat this pie, but the first pie that, like, uh, Jason gives to Nico that he ends up taking home to his family and they all try, it's an apple pie with green chili in it, and then there's cheddar baked into the top crust. Yeah, I've had that pie. It's good. Uh, like, it's, really it's not my jam, but I'm like, I appreciate how, like, inventive this is. I appreciate how creative this is. And this whole thing of, like, you need to give it three bites to, like, truly appreciate it. Great. Um, love I, that. I do feel like, so, I made a pie because after reading this book, I was hungry for pie. Because they did a very good job of talking yeah, about pie. Yeah, I've, I've never made a pie. And I'm just like, I want pie. I did Where not can make I get a pie, pie around here? I made a terrible um, berry soup that is in a pie crust. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't say terrible. I should say the berry soup is actually very good. It's a dessert soup. It's a dessert soup in a pie crust. And it's... <laughs> It's crazy how well the pie crust holds its shape, considering there's only soup inside of it. <laughs> it's like it's like the dessert, it's like the dessert version of a taco salad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so okay. it's just loose. It's um, just loose berry soup. <laughs> <laughs> just some loose soup in a pie crust. <laughs> loose soup. Goodness me. Gosh. Okay. Um, I also appreciated that this writer, who is not a gay man, obviously knows gay men because there's a point where they're like... Nico and Jason are like, I don't want to rush things. Neither of us are looking for a hookup, blah, blah, blah. And then one day Jason texts Nico and he's like, how soon can you get here? And he goes like, uh, like 15 minutes. And Jason's like, come over right now. <laughs> Julie has the kids. Uh, come over right now. I don't know how much time we have. And Nico comes over to find that Jason was wearing a butt plug so that he was already prepped so he just needed to pull it out and they could just like hit the ground running and i'm like uh -huh. this is accurate good job yep 
And then there's some some play later with a jock strap and just like the sex felt genuine to like a gay meal experience. So I appreciated that. They were both excited about toys and introducing new things into the boudoir. And I'm like, great, love it, love to hear it. Um and then one thing another I another thing that I really, really liked is that at the wedding, when they're doing their vows, Nico says a vow to Jason, but he also says a vow to Parker and also says a vow to Emily because he's yeah. like, I'm not just marrying this man, I'm not just making promises to this man. I'm like making promises to this whole family. And that was really sweet because Nico's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Like nothing and like, okay, if this if this book were like 150 pages of all this fluffiness i'd be like yeah sure 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 it is like 270 something pages of no conflict yeah it was oh god yeah i mean (laughs) good for them i mean you just want to feel like good for these guys who got together and are adults and i mean (laughs) you know like if you just want to read like a really like if you're just in the mood for great gay sex and two rational adults, this is it. <laughs> yeah, except the sex was all really fast per use. Yeah. Whatever. But, you know. And then I will say too, at the very end, it's like, oh, there's like a, an extra free novella about the wedding night where you can read a, one more sex scene, but you have to sign up for Ducky Max newsletter to get it. <gasps> What a smart bitch. I know. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll read it. Sure, why not? Oh, I don't want to sign up for this newsletter. Though maybe I should have, because I signed up for, I think we've read one of their books. There's another author I've signed up for her newsletter, and it's constantly just like, here are sales and free books with all these other women who write gay real male romance, where you can get these five books, three of them are free, and two of them are 99 cents each. <laughs> like, okay. That sounds like a deal. Yeah, you should see my Kindle library full of books we haven't read yet because they were free or 99 cents each. A lot of them are about gay Christmas. I have so many gay Christmas books in my Kindle library. (laughs) Gay Christmas. (laughs) Anyway, that was that was pretty much that book, right? Yeah, that was that book. That was Pies and Promises, an M.M. Single Dad Romance Heartcraft Market, book one by Ducky Mac. Egomaniac by Vi Keeland. A new standalone novel from number one New York Times best-selling author Vi Keeland. The night I met Drew Jagger. <laughs> the night I met Drew Jagger. He'd just broken into my new Park Avenue office. I dialed 911 before proceeding to attack him with my fancy new Krav Maga skills. He quickly restrained me, then chuckled, finding my attempted assault amusing. Of course, my intruder had to be arrogant. Only, turned out, he wasn't an intruder at all. Drew was the rightful occupant of my new office. He'd been on vacation while his posh space was renovated, which was how a scammer got away with leasing me office space that wasn't really available for rent. I was swindled out of ten grand. The next day, oh god, after hours at the police station, Drew took pity on me and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. In exchange for answering his phones while his secretary was out, he'd let me stay until they found a new place. I probably should have acted grateful and kept my mouth shut when I overheard the advice he was spewing to his clients, but I couldn't help giving him a piece of my mind. No, the opposite is true. 
I never expected my body to react every time we argued, especially when that was all we seemed to be able to do. The two of us were complete opposites. Drew was a bitter, angry, gorgeous-as-all-hell destroyer of relationships, and my job was to help people save their marriages. The only thing the two of us had in common was the space we were sharing, and an attraction that was getting harder to deny by the day. Good God! Uh, Claire, that's what that book says. Uh -huh. Is that what that book is about? Okay, look, some of the things that the book says happened, happened. But yes. Um. Okay. Oh my god, this book was dumb. All right. Ah. So Drew Jagger. Oh, and his middle initial was M. His name was Drew M. Jagger. <laughs> okay. What? It is important to state that the very first viewpoint we get is his viewpoint, mm -hmm. not hers. And so this whole scene. Uh, like the night I met Drew Jagger is from his perspective first. And from his perspective, he walks into his office late at night after he's gotten back from a vacation and there's a woman in there standing on a chair. Um, this is his perspective, which, and it seems ridiculous. What happens is pretty much what it says is... Oh my god, does it even say her name in this? It doesn't say it once oh in the back god. of the book. Oh my god, that is so frustrating because uh, I kind of depend on those to remember names. Her name is Emery. <sighs> Emery, oh my god, it looks so dumber right now. Maybe that's why. E-M-E-R-I-E. <laughs> Emery. -E. Okay, so... <laughs> so many E's. Drew Jagger is a divorce attorney <laughs> who is such a good and well-paid divorce attorney that he has a ground-level office in Park Avenue. Well, on... of course, he's well-paid, Claire. He tells us his rate at least four times in the book. <laughs> okay, this was what was very funny, actually. So, you and I have worked for attorneys. <laughs> Uh -huh. We've worked for good attorneys who are good at what they do, um, but who had who also worked for a lot of people who couldn't necessarily pay up front if they mm -hmm. were doing single things. Now, if they were working, but they usually work for companies, so they didn't have so their hourly rate would be different based on kind of like what was happening. Yeah, um, there is no way that Mister Attorney Jaggers rate was seven hundred dollars an hour and he was able to afford a park avenue place that is not enough money <laughs> <laughs> not charging enough money <laughs> right for like an office space that had an extra office that he didn't use yeah also he lived in the top floor penthouse yeah i like i just kept trying to like and i was like Eat the rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy, it's not charging enough for like what he, and all, okay, we're going to get into how much of a horror show he is as a human being in a minute. I'm yes. just going to, I'm just going to get through some of the basics of like the dumbass plot. So great. great. So he walks in, he sees this woman in his office. Uh, he's, he wonders why she's there. She thinks it's her office. Um, she's, from the sticks of Oklahoma has been uh, she's a therapist who has been scammed. She thought she could get this office space for super cheap because she's an idiot. 
and uh, she was in fact just handed money to some dude, and um, that dude kind of knew that there was a way in to that office, so he could just like. And this happens in New York. It uh, happened to a friend of mine <gasps> when she was moving from New Mexico to New York. She fell for the online. She fell for. Oh, she fell for two scams. <laughs> oh no! The first scam she fell for was the. Oh, I'm actually in uh, the Netherlands, um, <sighs> so I will mail you the key, but you have to send me first and last months and the deposit, and then you also have to send me this amount, just to make sure I, I get the key to you, and then I will send you that back. No. Um, and all that money just disappeared. Is this the friend with the dead cat? Uh, <laughs> um, was was that the story where she gets on the train? Yeah. And yes, that's the same friend. Uh, um, what a life she's led, and I've never even met her. Yes. Oh, which that story may not be true. There's an urban legend about that story. You can look <gasps> it up. She may have lied to me, or she may be the person it actually happened to. <laughs> I've been telling people that story as if it were true. So I told that I told that story at a party, and some guy was like, "But that happened to my cousin's friend." <laughs> or maybe it happens all the time. New York is a crazy place. I'm not even going to tell that story here. Anyway, everybody just has to like imagine what that story could be. Or Anyways. maybe Claire will tell it on our Patreon, and you have to give us money to hear it. Oh, maybe. So she fell for it again. Um, this time when she was actually living in New York and this time she was, she was shown an apartment. They did a, do a walkthrough. And so like, she felt like it was more real and it was almost the exact same circumstance in that was in this book in that she was kind of taken in, in a back way. Whoever it was just knew the apartment was going to be open mm -hmm. and, uh, and knew that it was going to be open for a certain amount of time. So able to make the person feel like they were secure in what they were buying. Mm-hmm. When in fact, like this was uh, an office that is just under renovation uh, because he's renovating it because he has a shit ton of money and he thought I'll renovate my office. Yeah, um, that is sh that is shitty. Like if if I were shown an if I were shown an apartment, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is an apartment that's up for rent, and this person knows how to or is the person renting the apartment. Oh yeah, it's super scary. Like they handed her a key. Um, a key to what? Get nothing, nothing at all. She went back <laughs> later and tried to open it, and the the super was, "Who are you?" Oh, she's like, "I rented this apartment." He's like, "You absolutely did not rent this apartment." Oh no. Yeah, I felt so bad. Um, everybody, I mean, like that's just a terrible thing. So the lady in our book, Emery, it happens to her. Uh, the like Jagger Drew I don't have to call him Drew. Drew and Emery just, just call him Jagger. It's fine. I don't want to call him Jagger. It's too cool a name for this asshole. Um, <laughs> they they work out what happened kind of right away, but after hijinks to make her look bad, like her skirt falls down. Um, she does. She tries to Krav Maga him for no reason other than to prove she can, and she fails. Like he pins her, and it's not even sexy. Like there isn't even a moment where we feel like this is a sexy thing that happened. She's made to look like an idiot in front of him. Um, she goes to, they go, he goes with her to report the crime. Um, they find out that she has a warrant in New York for, uh, for lewd behavior, 
from when she was a teenager when she was here like a long time ago and she just didn't know about it so they have to work that out so he's her lawyer for a little bit to he also uh makes a deal with the i think it's like the assistant district attorney or whatever whatever um he basically uh promises to sleep with her if she like lessens the the sentence on emory yeah and um he 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 doesn't see that as like a form of sex work um even though it is yeah and he spends a lot of the book talking about how all women are cheating bitches so i just wanted to i just found that an interesting incongruity no there was a whole lot i mean things like um like here's one of my favorite quotes that he says in his head um men who hit women are pussies it's just like what are we doing that for what are we (laughs) what's that dual misogyny we've got going on here yeah right there's a lot of like casual domestic violence bandied about um in this for like the first third of this book and then it goes away um so yeah i think it was like oh well obviously drew m jagger is a bad person but he's not that kind of bad person it's okay ladies you can still find him sexy because he's not going to hit you he'll just it's it's okay that he hates women he he hates women because his heart was broken he hates women because of his whore ex-wife that we all get to hate because she's another woman yeah, she's yeah. It's okay to hate this woman because she's a whore. It's also okay, like because the woman Emery is like, okay, such a pick me girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, to be fair, the ex-wife is not a good person. No, she's not. But of course, she isn't. She's the only other woman in the book. Uh, yeah. The, yes, because we don't even get to meet the secretary. <laughs> no, there is no other woman in this book. Yes, it's Emery, and then the ex-wife is Alexa uh-huh so i'm yeah, really no. excited for people's uh devices to say things in response to us talking about alexa oh sorry everybody yeah um if you have an alexa maybe turn it off or something i don't know because we're gonna <laughs> you say can't that. turn it off claire she's always listening always listening mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. alexa donate to fmk lit <laughs> <laughs> alexa subscribe to patreon.com slash fmk lit <laughs> Oh, we could get, like, in trouble for that. We really shouldn't do that. Um, no, it's fine. It's a funny joke. Yeah, I'm all right with it. <laughs> uh, you know, ethically, whatever. Um, anyway, so that's how these two people meet each other. And then he's got this extra office space. She agrees to do some secretarial work, even though she obviously has a very busy schedule as a not-real-at-all psychiatrist-therapist person. See, okay. <sighs> Two things. Uh-huh. One, when we, we, cause we find out he's a divorce attorney and it's not until like 30% in that he's like, Oh, by the way, what kind of like psychiatrist are you? Cause we know that she's a psychiatrist and it's like, Oh, what type of, like, what's your specialty? I don't think we've ever talked about it. She's like, Oh, didn't I tell you I'm a marriage counselor? And I was like, yes, yeah, that's, great. that's beautiful. That's beautiful but then also she moves here straight from new york or straight from oklahoma and then has in-person clients that need to come into her office i didn't understand that and she's like oh you know like i had clients and i'm still um 
like doing video sessions with them. They're back in ostensibly Oklahoma. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That, that, that makes perfect sense. We are in the future. You can do that. Um, but now she has in-person clients and I don't know where they came from. Also, um, and I know this because, um, my therapist cannot give me therapy. My therapist from California can't, could not give me therapy while I'm in Texas, even though we've been virtual the entire, almost the entire time I knew her because just like attorneys, uh, counselors and therapists are licensed through their state. That's right. And then just like looking ahead, there's a point where, um, Jerem Jagger is, uh, contemplating moving to Georgia because the shit that goes down with Alexa and he's like, it's fine. I'll just do law from here. I'm like, you can't, you, you can't. can't just you go can't to another that. state and do law there. Even no. if you're still practicing, even if all your clients are in New York, you can't do that. You absolutely can't do it. And there's even a scene where he is. And then she moves to Georgia with him. So she's going to have to get accredited a third time. Whole new thing. And she even oh, says then she's like, no, most of my clients are mobile. I'm like, no, they're not that mobile. No. Um, that actually, that does not work. You cannot do that. He even represents himself in divorce court uh, in Georgia. Again, could not do that. You can't, yep. like, as if you are an attorney. <laughs> like, he would just get an attorney. Like, yeah. Like, like, he's this smart man. He would just get a good divorce attorney there, attorney there. And he's rich enough. He could get fucking amazing attorneys. His wife, ex-wife, did a number of horrific things that would easily have granted him full custody in any state. Right. Also, that, like this book's like definitely glossed over the fact that there was already a custody agreement in New York that said she couldn't leave this, they couldn't take the kid out of the state. Yeah. And then they go to court in Georgia, and the 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 judge is like oh i see well you did and like i did appreciate it. he's like in the good old state of georgia and it's like spelled out like that and that was funny um but the but he's basically like oh well uh miss lexa that was not something you should have done but it's okay because you're in the great state of georgia <laughs> so the, the the that judge just ignores the carpetbagger new yorker judge and is just like oh no 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 that didn't matter. Everyone can just stay in Georgia now. I'm like, that's not how law works. The whole time, I was like, fucking Drew M. Jagger, sh you fucked the ADA. Talk to her about the state of New York reaching out to the state of Georgia and making something happen. But no, he, oh, he doesn't want to be a just, pussy. Or just straight God. up charging your ex-wife with kidnapping. Yeah. Because that is what she did. That's what she done did. Ah. Well, it's not kidnapping if you're in the great state of Georgia. All of our listeners are confused as to who Drew Jagger is as a person. And so here's the tea, everybody. Uh, ah. Sometime in college, Drew met Alexa and they had sex. She then got pregnant. Um, and Drew wanted to be a good man and, you know, be there for her. So even though he didn't really like her anymore, like genuinely did not like her anymore as a person, decided the best thing he could do would be to marry her. So 
here we get a mechanic in the book that I thought was actually kind of interesting. Um, we, we see a bunch of flashbacks to his life just on uh, the 1st of January, like, or like New Year's uh, New Eve. Year's Eve. Because um, the book starts on New Year's Eve. He gets back into town from his vacation on New Year's Eve. And it's like, I fucking hate New Year's Eve. And that's when Emery is in his office yep. with her skirt around her ankles. Because she ate a big hamburger and she had to unzip her skirt. Right. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Because she wears skin tight skirts. When she's moving furniture or whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. As a, as a lady in her 40s. No. <laughs> Whatever. So all of these, like, you know, like New Year's Eve's, like, that's when he meets Alexa and they get it on for the first time. That's when they decide to get married. That's when um, uh, she gets, like, uh, her, his dad has a heart attack. Um, that's when, like, she gets in an accident. Like, <gasps> Um, I have to say almost kills the son. Yes. So they get into an accident. She she's driving the son back and they get into a terrible car accident and he has to get a a kidney transplant. Yeah. Or maybe that's later, but the scene at the hospital, like he needed blood or whatever. And, um, uh, drew donate or like had them draw some of his blood to like help back et cetera, et cetera. And then the nurse comes in and she's like, Oh, you were really lucky. It's not often that stepdads are a match for the, for the kids. I gasped. Yeah. Out yeah that was a really, really loud alone in my room. I gasped. Perfect reveal. Perfect uh, reveal. So it uh, turns out that Alexa Dunn got knocked up by someone else. But then she found out that Drew was going to law school and figured it'd be better to hitch her wagon to his star. Mm-hmm. And so he's not the biological father, but he loves that kid. Here's the thing, too, that drove me fucking crazy. He's he's like, he's the bad person. He's a misogynist. He does not respect boundaries. He's a bad person, but he does love the kid. And like by the end of the book, I'm like, oh, I feel bad for him. I'm like, no, tricked again by the patriarchy. Like that's not enough. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to believe like that he's allowed to hate women and as much as he does because this one woman hurt him so bad in a way that's so relate like that we could obviously feel bad for anybody that that happened right and then he now only takes male clients because a he believes that all women are cheating bitches and b when he took on female clients they all tried to sleep with him to get back at their ex-husbands and he would sleep with them and that was their fault yep such a twat yep um uh emery puts on her little whiteboard outside of her office, cute little like therapy things with like blanks. So it's like her clients can like fill them in in their mind and, you know, have something to go home with. And he puts in dirty little things. So like, which could be cute if you didn't know he was such a fucking dick. Right. Um, also, she confronts him about it. Like, this is one of the few things that she's like, you cannot do this. This yeah. is a hard boundary for me. And he's like, okay, sheesh, have a cow, man. And then he keeps doing it. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. Christine's like, have a cow, man. I'm like, yeah, I don't know where that pull came from either. That's just <laughs> what 
came to I deep cuts, deep, deep cuts, today. cuts, deep cuts today. Uh, so, like, anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about Emery for a second, and then I'm just going to uh, hand this over to you, Neil, because you've got so many wonderful things to say. Emery is a non-human being. Um, <laughs> Emery's skinny with big tits and self-conscious about how big her ass is. Yep, and fuck off. Um, she's just. A you know a sweet girl from uh from Oklahoma. Oklahoma who's had sex but with people but we're not going to talk about it. Uh, she's been obsessed with her college TA and so Baldwin. much so that they are like best friends now. And they're, she's just like, now they're neighbors later, in New York. Sooner or later, like she follows him to New York. They move in two apartments next to each other which i don't know how they found those good for them <laughs> i don't know who at least, they killed to get that at least the apartment was real yeah um and he's a dip who's he works at the university don't know how he got a job there um and you know more or less is like stringing her along because he does want to fuck her but doesn't want to talk about it i don't know there is he was also he, a non-person yeah um, he, he it feels like he likes having her around as like a backup just yeah. in case so he strings her along while he's dating all these other women and the the thing too is that um oh there's a cat just walking on a fence sorry um she does it she talks to drew about it and she doesn't She's like, oh, yeah, I've been in love with him for three years. He just doesn't know it because I haven't said anything. And she's like, no, he definitely knows it. He's just choosing to not say or do anything because he likes having you as like in reserve. And it'd be one thing if like she were good at her job, but like couldn't see stuff in her own relationships, because that's very much a thing that happens to people. Like when you're on the inside of it, it's so hard to like get perspective until you step outside of it. That's actually been happening to people around me a lot. Like uh, right in, like in the last couple months, a lot of people in my life were like, Oh, I was in this long relationship, be it a friendship, uh, romantic relationship a sexual relationship and like i didn't realize that x y and z happened was happening and now i feel dumb for not having seen it so like that definitely happens and i and i think that's interesting that she's a marriage counselor who like doesn't apply what she teaches to her own relationships kind of thing but then we never see her be good at anything ever like there's a part where drew's really upset i think it's after he finds out that alexa took beck to georgia and he's like or something and he's like on the verge of tears trying to figure it out and we're in emery's head and she's like i didn't know what i could do or say to make him feel better i'm like you're a counselor it's your job to like help people work through difficult feelings you don't have anything i mean like not to say like oh you can fix this right now but you don't have anything in your back pocket to like make him feel better what are you talking about no you're all about tools uh, yes, hold, like an actor, Good you job. reach into your toolbox. Oh my God. Goodness. But yeah, I just like, she's, she's not good at anything. She's not smart. She's, and then there are times that she's like, oh, I took your calls for you. I'm like, she has a doctorate. She has a PhD. What is she doing? Yeah, I, I didn't. And he's, and then he has this fantasy about her being the secretary and him being the boss. I'm like, no, she's an exceedingly educated person with many many qualifications she's not good at what she does obviously anyway she drove me fucking crazy no she was i think um 
Though she did learn to stand up for herself against Baldwin, which I appreciated. That well, she's like, no, I expect better. And good for her. Good I for thought her. that was great. One of the things that I thought the book did well was that she's been giving in to Baldwin. This is, okay, we're going to talk about the food stuff in a second because I hate it. But let's just pretend yeah. for a second I like it. So <laughs> one of the ways we see Baldwin's kind of control over her is that he's always deciding what they're going to eat for whenever they go out or hang out or do whatever. And he's bringing over like his posh, like, you know, fancy food. And she doesn't like it. She's, you know, she this isn't her kind of stuff, but she likes him so much and she wants to prove how much she likes him that she's just giving in. She's not complaining. She's trying it. She's doing whatever she can. But because she at first doesn't like Drew and doesn't have that af affection for him, she feels way freer to just say, I don't want any of those things. And I just want like what I want. And this is this is it. And he's like, OK, thank you for telling me. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, then let's get that. And she feels empowered by the fact that this other person listened to her wants and needs and acted on that and she's like oh well that's pretty darn great and so then that <laughs> kind of helps and that helps her to see that her relationship with this other guy was not good and was not mm -hmm. working out so when he makes these demands like she gives in at first but she recognizes oh this isn't good this isn't what i want he makes a demand again and she's able to say to like put her own need forward and say, actually, could I have this? He counters because he always wants to be in charge and says, no, we're doing it my way. So then the next time he says something, she's like, we're not doing it. I'm drawing a line. I don't actually want to hang out with you anymore. And I thought that that's character growth. Mm -hmm. And that's character growth brought by the, the love interest relationship that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. That is a good thing that I liked. Yeah. So hooray. I liked too. There's this thing of, about Drew that was like, oh, I knew exactly the type of guy who Baldwin was because I'm the exact same type of guy. So like mm -hmm. the fact that he was seeing how someone else behaved that way towards Emery put him on the defensive because it's like, oh, that's really shitty. But then also at the same time, like jumping ahead when he breaks up with her because it's like, well, I'm moving to Georgia and she doesn't want to. I don't need to talk to her about it. I'm just going to break up with her and I don't want to get into it. So I'm just going to be like, Hey, see a bitch. Bye. And then his friend Roman, who's like, maybe you should let her decide some things or like, at least let her say what she wants. And he's like, Oh, you're right. You're right. And that's like his big life lesson. But then at the very end, he shows up and she's like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And he's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to talk about it now. I'm like, Oh, so you didn't, you didn't learn the lesson. No. I see. Okay. Cute. I mean, besides the misogyny apologia, that is this book. I think one of the things that ups that I hated the that was its biggest crime literarily. Um, <laughs> literarily is that at the very top, she's talking about therapy and about what good things the therapy can do. And she says, a lot of the communication, a lot of problems between couples is communication. Mm -hmm. That they just, they sometimes need a mediator who's going to help them understand where their communication differences are. And so and we even have an example of it. She's got a couple in, the, you know, the girl says, I'm gonna go on this vacation with my best friend next week. And, and then our, you know, Emery turns to the man and says, what did you hear? And the man says, he's going to, she's going to go hang out with her single friend for a week. And she goes, see, you heard something different. You heard something important. Why is the single 
an important inf- bit of information for you. And he says, well, because she's upset being married and she wants to pretend to be single for a week. Um, and I'm worried that she's going to like that more and be, and she's restless in the marriage. And she's like, and then the wife is like, oh my God, that is not it at all. Like I miss my best friend (laughs) and I miss that she's so far away. I'm not trying to recapture anything. We are going to spend a lot of time just girl talking. And he's like, oh, thank you for like, and like this lovely, like bit of communication. And I was like, and at the moment I heard that, I was like, well, book, you'd better not have miscommunication problem upon miscommunication problem. And if you do, you'd better have a mediary who's going to help us solve this problem. And that these two, we're going to have a rational discussion with each other. This sort of maybe happens, but not really. And in fact, like this book stomps all over that idea that um, that Emery could at all be smart enough to recognize when a miscommunication problem has happened. Well, um, and again, why, besides why? the misogyny mm. apologia, I was like, ugh, I'm going to have to suffer through this. I know. Um, the other thing I hate suffering through is, and I think I've talked about it before, is the way women interact with food in books. Oh, it comes up a lot. We've definitely talked about it. Yeah. I mean, and, and just like, and it, and this book is bad for it. Like she's supposed to be a picky eater and she's, but really that's cause the only two things she likes to eat are pizza and, um, burgers, burgers which yep. I completely understand. But I kind of wish that there was an extra layer to it to make it actually picky and not pick me. (laughs) So I really wish it was like, I, you know, she's like, this is going to sound weird, but I really only like burgers with cheese and nothing else on them. Nothing else. And I like that burger like cooked all the way through. I know that's not the best way to eat meat. And I know that's not like the best way to eat burgers, but that is the thing I like. That's a character thing. That is picky eating. Um, As a picky eater, I agree. (laughs) Uh, What's happening in this book is I'm not like other girls. I eat fatty, fatty hamburgers. I eat fatty, fatty uh pizza and i feel great about it and maybe i unzip my dress because i just ate a little too much he 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 but i'm great that's that's an entire like and then the foods she dislikes (laughs) are ethnic foods like this like would you like some indian no would you like some uh which you know like let's shall we try chinese too much msg would you like mexican too heavy Nobody has ever said that about Mexican food. <laughs> Especially when you're about to eat a fatty burger. No, there's like, no. no. She like, she goes for pizza that night. I was like, nobody says no to Mexican food because they wanted something light and says yes to pizza. Right. That is an insane thing. I do understand saying no to Mexican food in New York. That's an, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's an entirely different reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> or like saying no to Mexican food because the only thing nearby is a Del Taco, and like you kind of like it, but you're just gonna end up shitting all night. And you just met this guy. <laughs> like that's a good reason. Like, but it's I'm a picky eater, 
it's like I was so upset by this. And then this is the dumbest thing to be pissed off about. Yes, tell she's, me. She's like, oh, he only likes that place because they put like fancy things on it like dill so that they can uh, they can have a reason to charge twenty five dollars for it. And I was like, now I know this author has never paid for anything in New York. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, sorry. no, I'm sorry, darling. You're off of Park Avenue in Manhattan. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? You got a $25 dinner in New York? You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and is that a fancy place? Shit. Shit. Did you, have a, did you have a group on? <laughs> like, come on. Give me a break. God. Like, I go out to eat here to fancy restaurants, and I'm like, ah, oh. like... This is here. We're about to have a, you know, like, here's a $30 meal here. And it's at an expensive restaurant. I'm like, these prices are great. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Fuck this book. So anyway, like, we're not even talking about the misogyny. Um, <laughs> and that's. Yeah. I mean, honest, Neil, you yes. have so many things you want to say. I do. I do. This is going to be another Christine just go ahead and pick and choose because I'm going to be reading a lot of things. Okay. So this is, um, so of course, uh, Drew M. Jagger hates Baldwin because he, he hates Baldwin because he sees that Baldwin is not being fair or a good friend to Emery, which is fine. That is great. Uh, but also Drew M. Jagger won't stop talking about Emery's ass that she's so self-conscious about. So whatever. Anyway, so there's a point where they're making out in front of her apartment and then Baldwin comes out and sees them. And uh, then inside of his head, Drew says... That little kiss was all testosterone. Me being a dick to the asshole next door. Pissing on the fire hydrant, so to speak. So he compares the woman that he's attracted to to a fire hydrant. And he wants to piss on her. Which, hey, if you have a conversation about that ahead of time, go yeah. for it. Yeah, but that's not... Need. Yeah. This is... To take a small break, this is a, a phrase that I actually really liked. My stomach felt like a dryer with a half-empty load of laundry bouncing around randomly as things heated up. I'm like, that's stupid, and I love it. Okay. There was one um, one bit of conversation that I really I couldn't help but laugh out loud, and I did enjoy it, even though it was awful. So the two guys are talking. They're at a party, and like Drew and his best friend are talking, and he looks over. He sees his best friend is feeling up a woman's boobs. And the best friend comes over and Drew's like, what were you doing over there? He's like, well, I told her that I could tell her how old she was if I felt her breasts. And Andrew's like, what happened next? Well, then the girl asked me, like, um, when was I born? <laughs> and I told her yesterday. <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> and I know that's probably from some other old joke book. Or like oh, I'm sure. Something I'm else sure. And I'm just like, fuck it. That's funny. <laughs> Okay, this is Emery and um, Drew having a conversation. I think it was after he let her use his bathtub or something. Yeah, for her birthday. And she says, and to think, I said no to all of this yesterday. 
That'll be the last time you say no to me. Is that so? You bet your damn ass. Now that I know how good we are together, you can say no, but I won't be taking it for an answer. Right. So that's fun. Um, you know, that's that's cute. That's cute. We'd love to see also, it. Also, right before they have sex for the first time, they have a discussion about what they're looking for in a relationship. And they both say out loud, I just want a good fuck. Like, I'm not looking for you and me. Like, we work together now, or at least in the same space. Like, I, I feel like I owe you stuff for helping me out so much. And honest, and I'm obviously, and I've told you, I'm in love with my next door neighbor who I moved to New York for. So obviously, I've got complicated things happening. And he's like, yeah, me too. Like, I have partial custody of, of my son that I haven't told you a lot about yet, so you don't know any of those things, and the readers don't either. Um, and I have a complicated relationship with women in general. I also just like fucking women and never talking to them again. And in fact, the first sex scene we see is one of the... And this is one of the first times this has ever happened in a book that was not like a poly book. Uh, he's having sex with somebody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we get a whole sex scene where he's fucking some other woman. Um he says i also don't want a relationship i also just want to have sex and i'm like this is great this is fine they have sex and immediately his expectation is you will not have sex with anybody else mm -hmm. like they have this hot sex scene where she's pressed up against like his skyscraper window and like so her tits are just up like naked tits are up against this window and she's like can people see me he's like yeah isn't it hot she's like yeah totally and like they just enjoy that moment. And then she, she, the next morning, she's like, but could people actually see me? And he goes, nah. <laughs> and I was like, that is great. That is exactly how that kink is supposed to work, really, when you get down to it. Mm -hmm. it like, when it's safe for everybody the first time through. That sounds fine. And he's like, I don't like sharing what's mine. And I was like, and you ruined it. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. And I also that means immediately all that stuff we talked about is wrong you are mine now and like and it's all the expectation is on her to not mm -hmm. have sex with other people like yep. we don't hear there's no storyline about i mean he does think about having sex with other people but honestly like that's brief like but we don't put any onus on him we're not worried about him mm -hmm. like it's all about her and whether she's not going to and they have to have agreements and discussions about it and i'm like why we all agreed that this was just for fun I have a quote about that coming up. But first, um, this is after she blows him, and apparently she's real good at it. And in his head, Drew M. Jagger says, I was angry to find she was good at giving head, pissed that she must have learned on some other guy. Yep. And I'm just like, how is this a fan? Like, the, 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 like this is so quintessential of the patriarchy of, like, women are expected to be good at sex, but also virginal. And this is... Someone that we're supposed to want her to end up with is having this thought consciously. Why? Why? How does no? How does an author not see that this is a problem? I just what? Oh, yeah. No, that I mean, just like to be jealous of all of your sexual partners, former sex partners, right? Okay, so this is to your point about them talking about being exclusive. Emery says. Because they, they've been, like, fucking consistently for a while by this point. She says, are we doing those things together exclusively? He stood and came around his desk. The playfulness was suddenly gone from his tone. Are you asking me if it's okay for you to fuck someone else? 
So it's it's it, it it parallels exactly the scene that you mentioned with the couple, and instead of them talking through it, she gets all flustered. She's like, "No, yes, no, maybe," and she's like going through she's thrown off by it and he's like so what are you asking me and she's like i i don't know you literally just asked the question right and like you, like how 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 it it's a it is the exact same scene that we saw her mitigate with that other couple why can't she use those tools what what is happening yeah <sighs> and not only that it was specifically because a fact that Drew already knows that she has a crush on her next door neighbor old friend and that guy is making moves and she's kind of feeling like well maybe I should let him know and I thought honestly thinking about like plot lines to be that didn't happen Mm -hmm. what I thought was going to happen was that she was going to tell Drew or Drew was going to encourage her fuck that guy like literally fuck the guy like Mm -hmm. have sex with him get it out of your system if you are meant to be with him you know by rules of you know romance if you're meant to if the dick is good you're meant to be with it um like if you're meant to be with him it's gonna work out that's fine what you and i had was supposed was fun we had a good time and i'll just let it go and that sounds like an honest thing, but he could be feeling something else inside. Mm-hmm. And then she could take him at his word that he's being honest because they've been nothing but honest with each other before this. And she'd be like, yeah, okay, then I am going to go fuck that guy. And then she does. And they both realize that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. That she doesn't have the same feelings anymore. That he's not a good lay. And all the feelings she did have for him are out the window now. And she just kind of wants to get away from him. And and Drew feels bad because he feels like he let go of a woman without fighting for her. That he really liked. When he could have... he like when he could have said so many other things and then they get back together. And like, I thought, I thought that was going to be what was going to happen and how interesting. And in large part, because we saw Drew have sex with somebody else. So why shouldn't we see her have sex with somebody else? Oh, because that's not this book. Because she's so skinty with her big old ass. She can't tell the difference. Here's a fun moment inside Drew's head. Uh, my son drawing a giraffe. If oh I drew god, a giraffe, I hated this bit so much. Oh my god, the giraffe! Yes, please read this whole thing. Okay. Well, during my entire childhood, everything had reminded me of tits. The last week, everything reminded me of Emery. An advertisement for bright red lipstick at the airport. Emery's bright red lips wrapped around my cock. The flight attendant mentioning that our plans might be ruined by the weather delay. Emery's plans. Was she snuggled up on the couch with the putts? My son drawing a giraffe. If I drew a giraffe, it would have tits. Emery's tits are incredible. What? If I drew a giraffe, it would have tits. (laughs) And then just after that, in the very next section, he had texted Emery and checked his phone three times over the course of 12 hours to see to make sure that he hadn't missed a text from her so his conclusion was i was turning into a pussy yep can i I, like i just want to make a blanket statement um 
Anyone out there, especially femme presenting folks, if you are dating a man and he uses the phrase, don't be a pussy, I'm turning into a pussy, that's such a pussy thing to do. If he uses pussy in a derogative way, just run. Just run. Just run. The only thing he should be saying is, I want to worship your pussy. Mm-hmm. Then you can stay. Then you can stay and put him to work. God damn it. Yeah. Or, you know, set him free so that others can enjoy him as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you don't have to hoard that wealth. Here's here's another. (laughs) Share with the proletariat. (laughs) Such such people are a community resource. A rising tide rises all ships. Anyway, so here's another situation where Drew and uh, Emery are talking about Baldwin. And Drew says, that guy's an asshole. What did he do? Drew must have taken my question as defending Baldwin. His entire demeanor changed. Do you want to fuck him? What? No. Where the hell did that come from? He ran a hand through his hair. I gotta go. I don't want Beck to wake up and me not be back yet. So again, another situation, just like that scene that we saw where she asks a question and he's like, oh, that means you want to fuck him. And she's like, what? I don't understand what's happening. I don't recognize patterns, despite the fact that my job is to recognize patterns. Huh? Yeah. My brain is so full of burger and lady brain. Just, uh, it was so... And again, like, I think, one, I might be okay with that if the book pointed it out and it was part of her character growth and it was part of an understanding, like, doctor, heal thyself, like, that you're not recognizing the things that you see in other people, but then something clicks and you do. Like, and his, like, like, there's a particular, you know, person who's going to say, like, well, you he grows as a person because of his circumstances. Like he, of course he hates like women because he was hurt so bad by so by his mother and this girl, he didn't actually like at all. And then like, no, that's actually not. Okay. Like <laughs> that Listeners, is not Christine okay. was making a jerk off motion and we agree. Yeah. Yeah. We can't like, okay. That like now if he, like if she sat him down and was like, you are using a lot of this language and you are making a lot of assumptions. It is okay to have sex with people for fun. Like that's okay. Nope. That's not okay. That's not okay. Women can't do that. Claire, are you kidding me? Women can't do that. But you can't have sex with them because you hate them and you feel like it's a kind of a punishment. (laughs) That's, That's where it's not okay. Goodness. I have I have but two more things to say. One is he's not a single dad because Alexa has custody. Yeah. Even though he wants custody because she's she's a party girl and she the the biological father is a race car driver and she wants to like follow him around and and um, Drew considers her a whore bitch, uh, but also wants to like have Beck live with him so that he can have a stable life. And these these that is that is true that is a good impulse for him to have etc etc but he's not a single dad and i was just very annoyed two i wish that roman the friend i wish that his name had been something like carson so that our main characters could be alexa baldwin carson drew emery and just 
A through E in the alphabet. <laughs> oh, man, that would be great. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say about this book is it does do one thing I thought was pretty great and very funny, and I, I think I'd enjoy it in other books. Um, it skipped to the good part sometimes. And what <laughs> I mean by that is there's more than a few dates that they go on with the sun. Like, they go ice skating, they make popcorn. That's right. We see them agree that they're going to do these things and then cut to them in the emergency room because something has gone awry. <laughs> and honestly, comedy gold. That was great. Like, I really highly enjoyed that. And not only that, I enjoyed it because it just fucking skipped over the dumb part. Like, yes. I didn't need to see them googie happy on like the ice skating rink and like looking googly into each other's eyes and thinking she could be a good mother to my son. Because that's not these characters. As much as I hated these characters, that's not actually who they are. She's and, not my whoring bitch ex-wife. Right. Like, it's inappropriate for us to see that part because it's not important to the story. And in fact, the injuries weren't important to the story. Most of all of that wasn't important to the story. What was important was that it built up a custody battle for the ex-wife, who was mm -hmm. like, every time that my son was around this woman, there was an emergency room problem. And I was like, that is good storytelling. Yeah, there you go. You, you did I would cuts also... that were funny. And you built up in a fun way, and then it came back to bite them mm -hmm. in the ass. That's all interesting. I would also argue that the ankle at the ice rink was important to the story because then it was like Baldwin and Drew duking out over who would carry her where because she can't walk. And she's like, guys, I'm fine. I can yeah. walk. And they're like, no, I have to protect you. No, I have to protect you. No, I have to. And then there was a point where um, Drew gets into the office and like Baldwin is supporting uh emory as she's walking and he's and she's she sees him and assumes that he's going to get mad which he was about to do anyway and is like oh i didn't ask him to help me he just like came in with me to make sure that i get situated and then drew's response is well the doctor said not to put weight on it so that makes sense and then he goes and is angry about it in his office like a normal person can do sure sure yeah. sure but yeah and then the the custody battle stuff and then she also brings up the um the indecent exposure charge and yeah and yeah. honestly like but we skipped over unimportant sections yes. that were just and i was like in a way that most of these books do not do they languish in them in ways that are just like are we just filling for time yes and honestly it was like no um that's it's great. like i'm fine it's with like uh, it's like the um oh god the the last time the I don't even remember anything. They were in New York and they went on that. Oh, the, the Broadway dancer. Yeah. And it's like, we took the train here and we did this and this is what we ate. And then we took the cab over here and then this is what we did. And this is it. Uh, the, 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 the. There was no bathtubbing of New York here. There was no bathtubbing of New York here. <laughs> no. Uh, which I appreciated. I mean, there was so much in this book to hate, but you know what? Good on you. <laughs> At least there was no bathtubbing. I mean, it would have been, it would have, I would have stopped reading the book. Um, anyway, but that's really all I have to say. Okay. That was Egomaniac by Vi Keeland. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready?
Let's play Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary. Kill. 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 Are you ready? Fuck Mary. Kill. Claire. Yes, Neil. Are you ready? I'm ready. To fuck Mary Kill. Let's play some Fuck Mary Kill. Would you like? Uh, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? You go first. Per usual, I have a real one and a funny one. Yay! Um, let's do the funny one. Okay, Claire, fuck Mary Kill. Mm-hmm. Pie, cake, or brownies. Oh God! Very difficult choice here. Uh huh. Oh my God! I and I actually feel like I could hurt people's feelings. Yep. Okay. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna. Oh. I realized I should. Okay, I'm gonna change it. Oh whoa. Sorry. Whoa. whoa. I thought of a. I've thought of a better one. Okay. Pie, cake, or cookies. Oh, okay. Actually, okay. Does that make that easier for you? I don't really know. Um, <laughs> it makes it harder for me. Okay. Okay. I am going to... Oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am going to uh, marry Pi. Okay. I've always liked pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I this is like, this is you know a good pie is forever. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I'm gonna fuck cake. Okay. Um, because I do like cake, but sometimes cake is too much. But okay. I think I do like cake more. I love cookies. I love cookies so much, though. Yes. Like I could eat cookies every day. Is the thing. So maybe yes. I want to marry cookies. Oh. But I don't want to kill pie. Oh, no. Neil. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm going to marry cookies. I'm going to fuck pie and I'm going to kill cake. <gasps> okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I, no. This is respectable. This respectable. Is sing- I think this is the single hardest FMK that you've ever presented <laughs> to me. <laughs> like i feel heartbroken (laughs) yeah 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 that's fair that's fair and and neil uh okay so i know that i'm killing cookies not because i want to i don't i don't want to kill cookies but i have to Mm -hmm. um in fact, there the, I have cookies in my kitchen right now that I made that I'm excited to go eat one after we finish this. Man, this um, is making me want cookies. I know. I made a uh, chocolate dipped orange shortbread. Ooh. Yeah, it's real good. The 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 reason the only reason I'm killing it is because in my mind cookies are are less of an event. For me, a slice of cake or a slice of pie is like more special. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, oh, I'm gonna go eat three cookies in one sitting kind of thing. Again, I don't I don't want to kill cookies. I, 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 I if if I get to choose the method of death, I'm killing them with my love and my mouth hole. Same, 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 same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm going to fuck cake. 
which is strange because if I'm given the choice between pie and cake, depending on the pie and the cake, I'm probably usually going to pick cake. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. pie is more versatile. Yeah, there's a lot like pie you can savory. Ha- you can have a savory pie. Yes. Yes. You can you can go down the street to get a peasant pie, a little a little ham and egg hand pie mm-hmm. as well as like pumpkin pumpkin pie key lime pie i love these i love these so much even if it's loose soup in a pie crust loose soup see now it's a soup course pie can be anything <laughs> so i think i think usually in a one-to-one i like cake better um especially like just like you can do more with flavors like you, the cake can be one flavor the frosting can be another flavor and then you can put stuff in there so like there's more versatility in that way um and then you can decorate them i think that cakes can be a lot prettier than pies not to say that pies can't be pretty but you can do more with a cake to like zhuzh it up but i think i'm going to marry pie because sometimes i want sweet and sometimes i i want savory and I, I have heard of savory cookies. I was sent a recipe for a savory cookie that I do want to try. But I feel like pie can deliver that in a way that the other two cannot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, th- so this this was hard. I think as soon as I leave, I'm going to get a, get a piece of all three and eat Just my feelings. Just to apologize. Just to apologize. Yes. I'm going to go drink some pie soup. Just yeah. after this. <laughs> loose soup. I don't know why the phrase loose soup is so <laughs> funny to me. Like as opposed to other soup that's not loose. Like it's it's so disturbing. Like, <laughs> like I went to go cut a piece and I pulled it out and it just filled in again. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a top crust? Yes. Oh, so you didn't even know. Okay. It's just, it's just right soup inside of a crusty pocket. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> okay, your turn. Um, all right. So um, the choices that you have are uh-huh. Roman, the best friend private investigator from Ecomaniac, uh-huh. Jason, and Nico. Okay, I'm going to marry Nico, fuck Jason, and kill Roman. Yep, that's the choices. Yep. It's just like I didn't want to present uh, Drew in any way. No. We're going to kill him. I do feel like there's a part of you that's like, okay, Roman has some qualities. <laughs> he but- was he was my favorite character in that book. Oh, he is so supportive. <laughs> and like in like the uh, from New York, I'm I'm a hard boiled guy, but I'm gonna just hold on. She's in love with you, but she doesn't know it yet. Uh, the, the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought um, he was the the he was. I loved him. I was like, I bet there's a book about him, but I don't want to read it because it's just gonna be Nick. It's just gonna be this guy again, except it was a guy I liked better in another book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you want my real one? Yes. Okay. Fuck Mary Kill, Emery, Julie, Beverly, our three working girls. <sighs> All right. Emily, Julie, Beverly. Emery. Uh, Emery. Because well, Emily is the daughter. Emery is our counselor. Right. Julie's the uh, is Jason's ex-wife. And Beverly is the saucy. Okay. Well, uh, I'm marrying waitress. Beverly. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to fuck Julie. And I'm going to kill Emery. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, out, of, out of all of the characters, Claire? Um, well... Um, go, uh, goodbye, Drew Jagger. 
Um, he is going to be killed. Uh, <laughs> and I am going to... I'm going to marry Nico. I thought he was fun and it, like he could be cool. Like, I, you know, he sounded hot as hell. Yeah. And so I'm totally on board with that. Um, and I'm going to fuck Jason because he can make me a good pie instead of soup pie. But I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, he's bi, so he would enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, hooray for bi people in these books. Yeah. They know they never say it, but that's fine. Um, I, I'm going to do the exact same. Oh, because he's Pan in this book. Because there was a really adorable scene. Oh, that's right. <gasps> oh, yeah. that's right. He is because Pan. My, right. He's Pan because like, his his son says to Nico, it's like, my dad is Pancake Sickle. <laughs> and he goes, he's what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he can, he, he can like, she's and he's. And they's. And he goes, oh, pansexual. <laughs> and he goes, yes. Like, pancake sickle. Pancake sickle. <laughs> and then I kind of wanted, I was like, okay, pan people might actually like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pancake and then I, sickle. <laughs> and then I did appreciate that, that Nico's like, pansexual? And Jason's like, it's not a bad word. So I don't feel bad teaching it to my kids. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to kill Drew cause bye bye garbage. Uh, I want to fuck Jason. Um, it, it'll be fast. It's always fast, but there will be cuddling and I'm going to hope that there's pie. And I would, I'd try an apple green chili pie with cheddar in the crust. I've had a slice of apple pie with cheddar on it. it I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal, but whatever anyway um and then i'm gonna marry nico because he was nice he sounded super attractive uh his parents were great they'd be really fun in laws to have mm -hmm. i'd get free food at that diner all the time oh yeah uh, that diner sounded like it was good it was like a good restaurant it wasn't like straight up diner food it was good restaurant. right beverly could be like an adoptive aunt or oh, something yeah. Ugh, love her uh so yeah uh and the books claire um, I'm going to kill them both. <laughs> like, it feels really awful to, to kill both of these books because one of them is egregious and the other one is fun. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is, is uh, an empty pie crust with nothing inside, not even yeah. loose soup. Yeah. Like, it was, it's just like, and it was a really pretty outside pie crust. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just any conflict, any conflict at all would have like upped this like i Anything just needed like nice. one moment where these two men near the end of the book had a long serious conversation that failed for perfectly fine reasons because they're uh, reasonable adults and then they had to get back together again <laughs> like that's all i ask <laughs> i would have been fine with i didn't even need the conflict to be between the two of them i just needed a single barrier to that relationship just a yeah. one any at all Oh yeah, I want to kill them both too. And like, it feels, it, yeah, it does feel bad because pies and promises, like, the, uh, it's it yeah, it's like too sweet. It's just like, yeah, it's. 
I feel bad. I wanted it's it to be good. World, but yeah, we. I wanted it to be good. Parts of it were there were things I appreciated. Um, and I feel I feel like <sighs> it's obvious that this writer can do better dialogue because everything with the parents and Beverly was mm-hmm. great. Like all of those interactions with everyone and the parents were great. It's just like these two characters weren't characters and nothing happened. Yep. And I feel bad, but I'm going to kill it. And then, um, egomaniac. I will say I expected Drew to be a lot worse Yeah, I guess than he was. He could have been worse. He could have been worse. He did unprompted apologize for his behavior a couple times. He did. And he did obviously care about that kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was a misogyny factory. So bye. Um, bye. Also, fucking Emery, just like I don't, I don't understand how to make people feel better when they're feeling sad. I don't know how cloud storage works on my new phone. I don't understand. I don't understand what offices are. I'm just so skinny with my big tits and my big ass and my doctorate. I don't know. It's I. I'm so. I'm. So, I've. I've. I. I've said it a million times and I will say it a million more. I am so bored. I am so bored of skinny, hot women with no self-esteem. I'm bored of it. Writers, write different characters, please, please, please. Ah, at least make them competent at one thing that we get to see them be competent in. And then that helps the, the man be attracted to them. Please, something, anything, anything. Well, do you want to see if that happens in our next books? Yes! <laughs> it, I know it won't, but sure. Shall we play our favorite game? Our favorite game. <gasps> Christine, yes! Hey. Perfect. It was perfect. Hey. That was dead on. <laughs> <laughs> All yes. right. Okay. Oh, okay. So, our first book is Sex by the Numbers, parentheses blush, by... Marie Donovan. The parentheses blush is unimportant. It's just like the title. <laughs> it's just not important. Sex by the Numbers. Sex blush. by the Numbers blush. by Marie Donovan. Uh-huh. And Count on You, a lesbian <sighs> romance by Sienna Waters. Mathematicians. No. Accountings. Yes. Ah. <laughs> See, my guess was going to be statisticians. It mm. is accountants. Yes. Oh, I no. did say accountings, which oh. I am drunk. So that is, <laughs> that is what translates from. Well, next episode will be accountings of these books. Accountings. Yes. Accountings of accountants. Blush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I will say there are times when I look up like a romance you know, that has dot, dot, dot in it, like some profession and like things come up, but it's like difficult. Like, it's like, well, I don't know. They're like, I don't know, like this, like, like I'll look up like, you know, beautician and it's like, well, the beast and the beautician. And I was like, yeah, that's a movie. Is there a book? And they're like, well, there was kind of based on a book. And oh no, other than that, I can't find it a goddamn thing (laughs) because it's somewhere in the description or we don't care about the ladies, like, you know, profession or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. so like, it gets a little harder to find some things. It was so weird when I typed this in and I was like, what is going to pop up? 
There are a many books. <laughs> a many book. Like, and like, FYI, there are fantasy romance books where there's an accountant <gasps> character. <laughs> One of these books, I gotta find it. I got like, and it looked like it was too long. We couldn't read it, but um, oh, uh, oh, but there was one. I, I I can't look it up right now, but there was one, and it was something like, um, the auditor or something like oh that. Oh my god! But it was Ooh. literally about an executioner who comes to a castle with his dragons to like take out the bad people. <laughs> Oh yes. my god, yes. a medieval yes. auditor. That is actually what an audit feels like. Yes. So <laughs> I would be willing to bet that a lot of like I'd say at least 60% of the romances about accountants are written by accountants. Yeah, probably. Yeah. How much did you say? What percentage did you say? I I'd, I'd say 60. Okay, so Oh, number... I was going to say 98%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there's just so many like yeah, so I think there's this one, which is like Reaper's property. And oh, like, oh, my God. Uh, and in this case, like, it's a young woman who I think is an accountant that gets involved in, like, a hot motorcycle dude. Nice. Uh, there's a, like, most of these are about, like, oh, it's a woman who's, like, by the numbers. And then some uh -huh. hot dude shows her the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like, being yeah, an accountant. I need to get fucked means you're boring and lonely and nobody loves you blah 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 i mean it's um stranger than fiction have you seen that movie yeah I have is yeah. she she's an accountant in that no he's an irs auditor mm -hmm. <gasps> and she owns the bakery i love that movie though it's such a good movie it's so good uh yeah also i just want queen latifah to be in more movies oh my yeah. god that's and there's the truth there's also a really great scene where Will Ferrell is on the um, the wiggle of the bus, and I just thought that was such a great metaphor as a avid bus rider. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. As a public transportation enthusiast. Yes, yes, as a connoisseur of public buses. <laughs> um, okay, so here's one more, and then we'll call it a day. Darkness Undone by Jessa Slade. The war between good and evil has raged for millennia, and powerful new enemy ascends. The marked souls are pushed to the ragged edge. Sidney Westerbook has always studied darkness and damnation from a sensible distance. Now to earn his place as league bookkeeper, ah. he must discover why Chicago is such a battleground for soul-linked warriors. But research becomes personal when he finds himself over his head and under attack and at the mercy of a waif demon lit eyes and deep yearning in her heart. Like, it's just, like, head bookkeeper. And I'm like, and I know, like, it's got some sort of, like, other stuff. But I was like, this is fucking, yeah, let's do no, that. No, I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it so much. Well, I mean, just to offer really quick, uh, 1999 classic The Mummy, my favorite movie, which I did watch twice this week because it was that stressful. It was a two-mummy-watching week. Um, <laughs> she is a librarian. She is a librarian. So yeah. well, she is an adventurer in it. So We've had at least... At least four librarians by this point. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, so but that's for right. next week. Again, it's Sex by the Numbers by Not Marie next week, Don- next episode. Oh, next episode, not next yes. week. Next episode. <laughs> um, and Count on You, a lesbian romance by Sienna Waters, who uh, that name feels so familiar. I wonder if we've actually read a book by her before. Let me look. I know Sarah Waters. She's actually one of my favorite writers. How do you spell Sierra? Sienna. S I E N N A. Sienna Miller? No, Waters. Waters. Oh, she's written a lot of stuff. Okay, like five things. Uh, okay, great. Well, five more than I've written. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. We, you know, we love you so much. We could not do this without you. We don't want to do this without you. We need you in our lives. Uh, Neil, what are other ways they can be in our lives? Well, um, first, you can also shove us into other people's lives by mm-hmm. uh, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends, all that good stuff. Um, but you can also head on over to patreon.com slash fmklitpod. You can interact with us there. You can give us a little money. You can listen to some bonus episodes, extended episodes, all kinds of good shit. So yeah, just do that. Uh, there's a link in the description of this episode where you can go to patreon.com slash fmklitpod. You do need to put in the whole URL. It is hard to find us on Patreon because we say dirty words. Dirty, dirty words. Like cum gutter. <laughs> yeah. Snatch goblin. Mm-hmm. 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 Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. We understand that we tear these books a new one every single time. Like, we just rip them apart. Um, but, you know, joke's kind of on us. We also and pay for the books. gently insert a butt plug. Just very <laughs> gently. Uh, yeah, you have our money, so. Yeah. yeah so. That's all that matters in capitalism. And we also encourage other people to buy these books and decide for themselves. Um, but uh, thank you so much for the work you do. And obviously, keep on writing. You know better than us. So, hooray. 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 I guess all we have left to say is that you, if you can do so safely. And consensually. And in an office that's actually your own office. <laughs> <laughs> then you should absolutely. Keep, keep.